What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Football Advocate Podcast, your home for common sense, fantasy advice, and discussion. I am your host and fantasy football advocate, Chris. This is episode 14, very special episode. Uh, actually, that's, that's not entirely true. It's actually a normal episode, but it's the day before a holiday, so I guess that makes it special in some way. Uh, good show planned for you today. Hopefully, you're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving in whatever way you and your loved ones have decided, of course. Um, that's if you're in the U.S. If not, then it's just another Wednesday to you. Uh, either way, happy to have you here and uh, each and every one of you. And let's get into this week's show. Uh, unfortunately, as you all know, if you follow football at all, uh, first overall pick and uh, looks to be uh, future star player, future franchise quarterback for the Bengals, Joe Burrow, uh, injured this past weekend. Very severe knee injury. Will miss the rest of the season. Tore his ACL, MCL. A uh, bunch of other ligaments in his knee. Uh, should be fine. No history of uh, knee injuries or anything, but still pretty bad injury. And he's young. You know, he's he's young. Like I said, no pre-existing knee issues, so he should be able to bounce back just fine. But it, it's definitely a blow to him and his team, and of course the Bengals fans, who you know finally had their guy. But they still have him and have him next year. And let's be honest, as as, as well as they were playing and overperforming what we thought they'd be um they they weren't going to the playoffs or anything anyways so they saw enough to know they have a bright future which is good uh brandon allen will get the start at quarterback going forward well at least for this week uh, over ryan finley who came in to relieve joe burrow after he was hurt last sunday um i'm only bringing this up because this is going to affect other players on the team since he's the quarterback uh, you know, if a receiver gets hurt, it's it's okay. It can affect, you know, who covers the other receiver. If the best receiver on a team gets hurt, then a number two guy has usually the top corner guarding him now instead of, you know, the second best. And But you can still kind of see how that player might do based on past performance and situations. This is tough because we don't know a lot about Brandon Allen. I think he's been in the league three years. He has three career starts little over 500 passing yards, a couple of touchdowns. I believe this is his third team. So this is not a guy who's highly sought after or touted. It's not one of those guys who, even as a backup, teams want to bring in because they know if their guy goes down, they're in good shape. But they did start him over Ryan Finley, who's been in the system that I guess they were kind of high on last year uh, until they saw what Joe Burrow could do. So I don't know what to expect. I'll tell you what I have been seeing and I would advise against. I have been seeing other fantasy quote experts say, drop all your bangles. They're useless. Just drop them. And I mean, if, <laughs> if, if you could file charges against a fantasy expert for, for bad advice, that's exactly what I would do in that situation. You can't do that. You can't just blanketly say, drop everybody on this team because one guy's not there. Yeah, it's a big blow. And Burrow had a great rapport with uh, T. Higgins, the rookie wide receiver, as well as Tyler Boyd, who I think is very clearly the number one. Uh, Boyd and Higgins, number one and number two. I guess you can kind of toss that, you know, switch them around depending on how you see it. I personally see Boyd as more of the possession guy who's going to get more opportunities, but Higgins appears to be more of the big play guy, although they can both do... They can both do the other as well. So it's really it's a good situation for the Bengals to have two guys they can turn to. I wouldn't drop either of those guys. 
look, they may take a hit. They may not be useful anymore. But you cannot drop talented players until you know they're not useful anymore. If they're just determined to start Brandon Allen, and he goes out and he cannot get a pass off, and they cannot run the ball, and that offense is putting up three to six points a game, and they're just bad, okay, drop them. I get it. Unless it's a keeper league, then that's a different dynamic. But if you have a regular redraft league, and they can't get Brandon Allen the ball, Brandon Allen, Brandon Allen is throwing the ball. They can't get Tyler Boyd the ball. They can't get T. Higgins the ball. You know, especially with Joe Mixon being out. Giovanni Bernard, the backup to Mixon, is a very, very good running back. One of the better backups in the league. And a guy who's been a starter before. So nothing against him at all. Uh, you know, I actually have him in a couple of leagues. I'm not starting him this week, even with Mixon out, because I don't know what to expect from that offense. It's just, it's tough. I mean, I believe they are playing the Giants. Let me look down here. Yes, they are playing the Giants. Uh, Giants have had a hit or miss pass defense. So if you have a game like this, and I would venture to most teams that have 10, 12, 14 team leagues, uh, probably the, the waiver wire in those leagues is very, very slim right now. So even if you were to drop a guy like Teagans or Tyler Boyd or Giovanni Bernard, what are you going to pick up that is going to justify just making that switch for the sake of making that switch? You know, you're better off keeping, uh, you know, Tyler Boyd in there instead of, you know, somebody's third or fourth string receiver who may need to hit a big pass play and really do something out of character in order to, in order to put up numbers and help you win. At this point in the season, with injuries, with bye weeks, with COVID this year, there is a lot of inconsistencies, and, and a lot of times it's going to be a crapshoot as to who you start. It's going to depend more than ever on, you know, who's starting around them, what team you're playing. There's very few guys you can just seemingly throw out there and know they're going to have a big game. It hasn't really necessarily been that way in years past with so much uncertainty this year. It's tough. Um but I would not drop your Bengals. Uh, if you have alternate um, alternate ch- options, I would absolutely consider starting somebody over them, putting them on the bench and seeing what happens. If Brandon Allen goes out this week and he throws 12 passes to Tyler Boyd, well, then you know Tyler Boyd's probably the guy he feels most comfortable throwing to. And you're gonna, he's, he's going to see a lot of action going forward. Maybe you start him. Probably don't start them against the top five defense, but if you have a middle of the road, bottom of the barrel defense, give it a shot. But you don't you don't just drop anybody. A knee jerk reaction like that, I absolutely would recommend. Like I said, if you have other options, maybe bench them for a week just to see what happens. And if you don't have options, throw them out there. Look, we all take chances every week, anyways. That's what a flex is half the time. Unless you get really lucky with one of the first few waiver wire pickups of the season or you drafted insanely well, which is usually not the case because everybody has three, four, or five players on their team, no matter how good you drafted, where you look back at the end of the year and go, ugh, wow, I can't believe that. That was terrible. So a lot of times at this point in the year, the flex is a crapshoot. Uh, you know, guys like guys like Boyd, guys like DJ Shark, very talented players who can really go out and put up a big game every now and then, but they can also throw up a stinker. It's 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 tough. But I would definitely not just blanket statement drop those guys. I'd hold on to them. 
see what, see where you're at after this week. For those that have not heard, uh, instead of normally, uh, well, the last few years anyways, there's been three games on Thanksgiving. Usually the Lions will play the 12-30, 12-12-30 game. Cowboys will play sometime around 4 to 4-30. Um, maybe 6, I'm not sure. Uh, no, I did 4 or 4.30. And then uh, I think the last five or six years, they've had a Sunday night game as well, or Thursday night game as well on Thanksgiving. Well, ever since they started Thursday night football. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I just just figured that out right here. Wow, okay. I'm learning something new with you guys. See? Uh, well, apparently several members of the Baltimore Ravens have uh, tested positive for COVID-19. And much to the Steelers' dismay, uh, they have decided to postpone that game until Sunday. Uh, Pittsburgh is not happy. I uh, can't blame them. Uh, I also, I mean, I can't blame the league either. Like, what do you do? This is not a good situation. People, uh, fans of either team are obviously going to go with their team. Ravens fans are going to say, well, of course, we have to, you know, safety first. And we have to make sure that, you know, we don't infect anybody else and um, Steelers fans are going to say, well, it should be a forfeit. If they can't play, that's on them. I'm not trying to convince anybody how to feel. Uh, I can understand both arguments. Uh, I, 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 I'm I, glad it's being postponed and not forfeited because these two teams always play well against each other. And as a football fan, I want to see this game. So, I mean, uh, if you haven't, I'd recommend go on go on Twitter or whatever social media you use. And while you're there, follow, uh, give the show a follow at FFA underscore pod. Cheap plug right there, but that's okay. Um, yeah, and look at uh, look at some of the reaction from some of the Steelers. It's uh, they're not holding back. They're pretty upset. They had their bye week messed with and changed earlier in the season before the game with the Titans when they had some issues, and now. Baltimore, they're having their primetime game, which players love primetime games. It's they're they're on the big stage, they're in the limelight, they love it. This is what they play for. And it's now being moved to a Sunday afternoon game. Juju's not happy, Claypool's not happy, Ebron's not happy. Uh that's just the people who I've seen more and more Steelers are coming out and saying this is essentially, you know, this is BS. But it is what it is. Um, I mean if you're going to have all these protocols in place, you can't very well have these guys on the field playing if they're going to test positive. Regardless of how you feel about that, uh, if the league's being consistent, which I guess they're choosing to be in this matter, uh, then this is a decision they have to make. I don't know what else to say about that, really. Just kind of informing you that if you if you do have uh, Pittsburgh or Baltimore players, you don't have to worry about making decisions on starting them until... Sunday, and based on the way some Baltimore players have played, there are some decisions to be made. All right, let's act like Tom Brady and move on to Tampa Bay. The receivers. Now you have essentially what people can what people considered a super team, and everybody was hyping up this this Tampa Bay team before the season started. They have this guy. They have that guy. Oh, they signed Lashawn McCoy. Oh, they signed Leonard Fournette. Antonio Brown is all of a sudden eligible. Oh, they have Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, and Scotty Miller's coming along. And they have, they all, oh, they traded for Gronk. They have Gronk too. Well, there's still only so many passes in a game. And there's still only, you know, so many receptions to go around. And now you have more people, more people to, to spread the ball around, more egos. Guys are going to say they don't care. They just want to win. But when they're losing and not getting the ball, they're not going to be happy. 
especially receivers. They have very much been known as the divas of the league for a long time. And I'm not saying any of these guys in Tampa Bay are. I, I don't follow them that closely to know. But look at what you had before the season started. You had Chris Godwin, who, to all by all accounts, looked to be one of the next, if not current, breakout receivers in the game. And I still feel he is. That's not nothing, nothing against Chris Godwin. Uh, Mike Evans, absolutely one of the best of his generation. And you had a guy like Scotty Miller, who nobody really nobody really knew him outside of Tampa Bay. Uh, with the, you know, uh, but he came on. Really good rapport with Brady. That really shifty, small slot receiver that Brady loves throwing to, like, like a Welker, like an Edelman and when he was in New England. I could, uh, as soon as I saw him throw one pass to that guy, I was like, Brady's going to love this guy. Yeah, those three. And then you had your tight ends. You had Cameron Bray, who was very underrated. You traded for Rob Gronkowski, who has had his moments this year, but he's, he's definitely not the Gronk of old by any stretch. And you had O.J. Howard, highly underutilized. I don't know what Bruce Arians has against this guy, but I, I don't know. He needs to be used more. Well, he can't now because he's injured. But you had a couple of good running backs. You had a couple of great receivers. You had really good tight ends. And what do you do? You just keep bringing people in. You keep bringing people in. And you start messing with it. Mike Evans and Tom Brady seem to have a nice rapport. Constantly throwing to him. Putting up big numbers. Chris Godwin has some injury issues, but when he's playing, was doing really well. And they bring in Antonio Brown, and then Scotty Miller's healthy. And now, you know, Chris Godwin's healthier again. And, and you have all this talent. And the team has looked so inconsistent. Because you can add too much talent to a team. You can put too much ego into a team. And when you add that to a quarterback who's 43 years old, and I'm not trying to rip the guy. He's the best ever. I was a huge Tom Brady fan when he was in New England. I admit I am slightly bitter that he left. Uh, and, and the way he kind of talked down to the Patriots on the way out. Didn't really care for that. Um, but there's no denying what he's done. But all you have to do is watch the games as he the last couple of years to see the later in the season it gets, the more his arm strength diminishes, the more his accuracy diminishes. He's an incredible talent, but there's a term in sports. Father time is undefeated. It doesn't matter how much you work out. It doesn't matter how much you stretch. It doesn't matter how much you practice. At some point, your body can only take so much. It can only do so much. And Brady's skills are diminishing. And that's very, very much showing when, you know, you have talents like Mike Evans and you can't get him the ball. On top of that, it seems like he's only comfortable, like, I know this isn't the case, but it seems like certain players have a certain set of downs or certain drives. Like, oh, it's Godwin's turn on this drive. We'll throw Godwin three times in a row. We'll throw to Evans three times in a row. The other day, Antonio Brown, in losing that game to the Rams, Antonio Brown was the, was the uh, leading target receiver. Not the leading receiver, but he got he received the most targets. How with a team that already had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin does, for some reason, Tom Brady's new best friend, Antonio Brown, end up with the most targets? That doesn't make sense. So I only bring this up and go on the whole rant to who in Tampa Bay can you trust as far as receivers go? And I'm telling you right now, the only two, the only two I would trust, the only two players in the offense I would trust, I'm going to start Brady if you want to. You might catch him on a good game. Evans and Godwin, and that's it. 
don't touch anybody else. Don't be fooled. Don't, don't, you know, and I know you might say, oh, well, that's kind of a, kind of backtrack on what you said, you know, the whole Bengals situation, not releasing them. I'm not saying release them, and I'm not saying don't ever play them. I, I do need to clarify that. But it needs to be matchup thing. It, you cannot start Antonio Brown against a great defense if Godwin and Evans are healthy. It, it just, it, it, it may work. Maybe he catches two long passes and he makes your week because he gets up, he gets two for 80 and two touchdowns. I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Anything can happen. This is, I'm here to give you analysis on what I see. And much like a weatherman, it hasn't happened yet. Hindsight's 2020. I can be wrong. But based on what I've seen, based on what I know, based on almost 20 years of playing this game, at fantasy football, that is not, not NFL. Um, I wouldn't trust anybody but those two. Evans and Godwin. Stick with the original two. Uh, you're going to start seeing more inconsistency with this Tampa Bay offense because I would take Evans and Godwin and a couple of decent tight ends, uh, a, a couple of other uh, secondary receivers, and, and, and you know, maybe maybe a good to mediocre running back in that offense. And I bet they would run a lot smoother than they do trying to feed all these egos and trying to almost justify the decisions to bring these guys in. It's not working. And I know they're seven and four, but they're seven and four and they have not looked really good. They were a couple of drives at the end of the games from possibly having either a, well, I wouldn't have 500 record. They played 11 games, but having a record that's not nearly as impressive as seven and four. The giants gave this team a lot of trouble. The chargers probably should have beat this team, but they didn't blow a big lead. I know these are all what ifs and could have, what it should have, but you have to take these into consideration. So, I, I, Evans, Godwin, and that's it. As far as receivers go, offensive skill position players besides Brady, that's it. Don't, don't, don't believe the hype. Don't believe Bruce Arians when he tells you, we're going to spread the ball around. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Evans is going to get his shots to the end zone. Godwin's going to get his shots in the end zone. Everybody else is going to get what's left over. And that's what they're going to have to do if this team wants to succeed. Because everyone else has to put their ego aside and realize those two are the ones you need if you're going to make it anywhere. But what do I know? Okay. So, let's see. Do a fan question. Or, uh, let's do let's do streaming and with the fan question. Okay. Streaming quarterbacks and defenses. And I didn't do receivers or running backs only because um, it's not really a topic a lot of people uh, a lot of people look to to stream. You generally have four or five, six of these on your team anyways, these positions. And I tried doing it to see if it would work, and I just don't think it added anything to the show. I think it was just content for the sake of content, and I really don't want to do that. I'd rather have the show be five minutes shorter and have good content than talking for the sake of hearing my voice. Um, so I'm going to do quarterbacks and defenses because that is something that is something that, you know, you, if you have injuries by weeks, like I always say, by, you know, or, uh, you know, just underperformance, you have a quarter, you drafted a quarterback late and he's going against a really good defense and you want somebody else. A couple of guys here for you who are low on the uh, rostered percentage scale. Um, 
and pretty much the usual characters. Carson Wentz against Seattle, <laughs> the worst defense in the league. Um, the Seahawks, which again, I say it every time, sounds weird to say, doesn't seem right, but he is only 66% rostered. Derek Carr going against the second worst defense in the league, the Atlanta Falcons. He is only 50% rostered and Baker Mayfield going against the third worst defense, excuse me. Yeah. Defense in the league, the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is only 19% rostered. So I get Carr has been fine with the exception of a few games. I understand Wentz and Mayfield. I understand the apprehension there. I get it. Look, it's not a great choice. Like I've said in the past, who you're going to stream at quarterback is not necessarily always the sexiest name. It's not the best option. Baker has struggled mightily the last three weeks, four weeks. He's not looked good. Wentz had some, despite, you know, having the most interceptions in the league, had some nice performances the first few weeks of the year. He's dropped off. Uh, for some reason, he forgot Travis Fulgham exists, even though he was working just fine and doing well for him. I don't know. Um, but if you're in a pinch, you have to win a big game. Playoffs are coming up. For most people, it's the final two games of the regular season, week 12 and 13. I mean, you're going to have to take a chance sometimes. And if you have a quarterback who's not been playing well and he's facing a top five defense, these guys are low enough rostered where you can probably go out and get one of them and give it a shot. Uh, if I had to choose between the three, I'd go with Derek Carr. I feel as far as he, he he's the most well-coached and has the most talent around him. Uh, so that's my personal choice. But all right. We have a fan question. Just one this week. And uh, it's a good one. Yeah, I, I, I love answering questions, honestly. If if you guys sent me in like 20, 30 questions, I could I I could sit here all day, literally all day, and just talk fantasy football and 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 answer questions for you. Uh, so I, I love this part. It's usually why I make it last. Um, okay. So is that Bree or Brian? Brian? I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry if you're listening. Um, I uh, <laughs> it just says B R, B R I. Either way, thank you for the question. Um, it says, is Justin Jefferson a good start if Adam Thielen doesn't play? Uh, they're facing Carolina. And, I mean, they're eighth-ranked pass defense. I mean, it's not, it's not a bad start. Uh, the only reason I hesitate is because of Kirk Cousins, not Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is going to be a superstar. He's got all the talent in the world. Um, Thielen, if you don't know, uh, was uh, tested positive for COVID. So it's very possible he could still play this weekend. Uh, it depends, I guess, the protocol is he has to pass three consecutive tests, uh, negative um, test negative three consecutive days, and then he can play. Uh, if he doesn't, though, yeah, Justin Jefferson's fine. Um, you know, I would say, I'd say maybe put him in a flex. Um, not that it matters, the points are the points either way, but I, I wouldn't consider him a one or a two unless you're like me and you've had injuries and you have to. Uh, both both my leagues, actually, I have him as my number two receiver. And I feel okay about it. I really do. He, he's the kind of player, he, you know, halfway, halfway through the third quarter, he could have you three catches for 20 yards, and then Cousins could throw to him three straight times or Cousins could hit a bomb 
and all of a sudden he has five for 100 and a touchdown, and he made your day. So, yeah, he's a big play threat. He catches the intermediate passes too. He's a really talented kid, and they have they still have Dalvin Cook. So Dalvin Cook's going to be able to run the ball. That's going to open up the uh, the passing game downfield. And, yeah, Jefferson will be fine. I have no – I'd start him with Thielen without Thielen. Um, he's going to draw some extra coverage because he's the bigger threat, the biggest threat on the field now. Uh, instead of having to try to decide who it is between he and Thielen. But I would have to, yeah, I'd start Jefferson. No problem there. Uh, oh, damn, look at that. I said I was going to do streaming quarterbacks and defenses, and defenses was on the second page. So I went to the question first before I did defenses. All right, so we're not closing out the show with the question this week. My mistake. We are going to close out the show with the streaming defenses of the week because I did not scroll down far enough. So, defenses. Uh, Green Bay Packers, and again, these are defenses that are not not uh, rostered on a high percentage of teams, so there's a good chance you can go out in your league and get one of these teams. Packers, they are facing the Bears. Uh, division matchups are always tough, and the Bears' offense struggles mightily at times. They struggle mightily against non-division opponents. When you have a team that knows you as well as a division rival like Green Bay does, you, there's going to be uh, – scoring will be at a premium. It's not going to be a blowout game, I don't think. And uh, Chicago has a 28th-ranked offense. And whoever is that quarterback for Chicago, I believe it uh, – no, I don't know if it's Foles or not. I know he got injured last game. I'm not sure. I actually didn't, I actually didn't see that. Uh, but either way, whether it's Foles, whether it's Trubisky, whether it's the third stringer, whether it's the coach himself – uh, there is definite, definite potential for mistakes to be made and, and turnovers to be had for that Green Bay defense against that offense for the special teams. So Green Bay is a good pick. Uh, either Washington or Dallas. They're playing each other uh, uh, tomorrow afternoon, Thursday afternoon on Thanksgiving. Uh, both offenses rank in the bottom third of the league. Both offenses are extremely prone to turnovers. Uh, Washington has one of the better passing defenses in the league. It may statistically actually be the best. So, I mean, <laughs> Dallas doesn't have a great defense, but Washington's offense, again, like I said earlier, is turnover prone. Both these offenses are. So, if, you know, I, I'd actually be more more likely to pick up the Washington football team defense simply because. They're already, they rank very highly. They're at least top three. I'm pretty sure they're number one, though, against the pass. And Andy Dalton, while he performed okay last week, Minnesota's pass defense is nowhere near as good as Washington's. So, I'd go with them. Uh, and the New York Giants, for, for a division that's, you know, not great. I had three NFC East teams on here. Uh, Giants against the Bengals. Uh Bengals are 25th ranked offense, and that was with Joe Burrow. They did have some struggles this year. And, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get from the quarterback. You don't know what you're going to get from Brandon Allen. You have no idea. And the Giants' pass defense has been decent this year. So, I'd give it a shot. You had a good chance for a pick six. Some fumbles, some turnovers, a lot of sacks. That could end up, that could end up being a pretty good pickup for you. So, uh, And also... Uh, <laughs> I'm hesitant to say this because I do not want to jinx another young player. Uh, 
Man, I'll tell you, even if Burrow didn't get hurt last weekend, Justin Herbert, I think, surpassed him as rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. That kid is just, man. I know three really good quarterbacks, Burrow, Tua, and Herbert came out of this draft, but I think Herbert could end up being, (laughs) I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he's he's a good one. The Chargers got themselves a steal at number six. Uh, not that not that Tua and Burrow aren't. They're both great. And I, I think it's going to be, all three of them are going to make the league very exciting for quite some time. But I think, without a doubt, Burrow, or excuse me, Herbert, even if Burrow was still healthy, is your offensive rookie of the year. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Fantasy Football Advocate Podcast. If you enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you have any questions or comments and would like to reach out to me, I can be reached on Twitter at FFA underscore pod, Facebook, it's the name of the show, the Fantasy Football Advocate, uh, Instagram at FF Advocate, or if you want to do it, you know, old school, you can just email the show, questions or comments, the FF Advocate at gmail.com. I will leave the links to those uh, pages and sites in the uh, show notes. Um, and if you could also, you know, tell a friend word of mouth is a great way to, you know, spread the word and really appreciate that. And I hope you all have a safe and happy Thanksgiving holiday season is upon us. Uh, it sounds cheesy, but it is the most wonderful time of the year, but until next time, play smart, have fun, enjoy your extra Thursday football, and I will see you right back here next Wednesday.